Ungdomsradio. You are listening to You've Got Five Options show, where every week Marta and Anna abandon their five children, two partners, and one cat to make a show especially for you. An artist, a challenge, a bullshit, a wisdom, and a surprise. Tune in and feel the magic of five. Hello everyone, this is Marta. And this is Anna. And this is You've Got Five Options show. Yeah, I don't know why <laughs> I do the yeah now all the time after you are saying. And this is You've Got Five Options show. I should stop that. Well, you are excited. That's Very. A, that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Yes, It's if I wouldn't be excited, then that would mean problems for us. Yes. Yes. So... Hello, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) This is Anna. (laughs) And uh, today we are talking about serious stuff. Like always, we are talking about serious stuff, uh, but sometimes we uh, make it less serious uh, than than it should be, maybe. But I think that, uh, honestly, sometimes uh, humor about something that maybe doesn't hurt anymore is serious helps to convey some message. So mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm not I don't feel that bad. But today it is a it is a challenging topic. Yeah. Yeah. And so a disclaimer: we don't want to make feel make anyone feel bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we misbehave, we are sorry. Yes. Just uh, <laughs> we we can we will slap ourselves. I have done that once, and that was an episode that was on camera. <laughs> so I really look forward to see uh, when I slap myself <laughs> on yes. camera. Yes. 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 <laughs> okay. Fantastic. But we have a guest with us today. Yes. And uh, it's a guest that is not here the first time. Yeah, can I can I call you Judy a friend of a show? Yes, you can. Fantastic! <laughs> it's a friend of a show. Yeah, and Judy, you uh, because we have had several people that came a couple of times, but I can call you our vulnerability queen. <laughs> that's good. Wow! Because that's you nice come for some quite vulnerable uh, topics here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last we time we talked to you about forgiveness, mm-hmm. and you shared quite some personal stuff you were very courageous in your uh, storytelling and now you are again to talk you are again here to talk to us about quite some uh, vulnerable stuff so hello our um, vulnerability queen yes uh, wow <laughs> marta you should go to the toilet before the show more often <laughs> i go every time yeah. <laughs> no, because uh, I'm just making, a, 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 you know, like this bridge be- between the um, claim that men go to the toilet to uh, just, you know, be enlightened and figure out the biggest, uh, the, the solutions to the biggest problems of the world. So mm. maybe that works the same. Yes, I also use the toilet before every show because, guys, we sit here a whole hour, so it's important. But, um, okay, I think we should just... <laughs> Marta is looking at me weirdly. <laughs> I, I'm just tr- trying to think if you have just suggested I'm like a man. And then again, I'm thinking if that's good 
or if that's bad, I'm taking it as good. I take it as good. <laughs> I didn't suggest that you are a man. <laughs> I can clearly see you're not. I was more like well, maybe you don't know what's in there between my legs. So <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh enough with that. <laughs> enough with that. Although we will be talking about things that come from between the legs in case of women. So actually we can tie this conclusion. But I was actually just referring to the fact that maybe men are really onto something when they go to the toilet and they sit there for half an hour and you think it's for no reason, but maybe they really have a brilliant ideas. But coming back to the actual show. So today we will start with a legend, go through a, a quite challenging topic of uh, of uh, early motherhood and fatherhood and postpartum and finish with the legends as well. So I hope that this will come out as a nice haul. Um, not haul, but haul. Yes. Uh, and I think we will just start with, with the artist of the week. So actually the idea for this show came from the fact that we got a really beautiful rendition of an uh, old Scottish legend called Tamlin by the band from United uh, from United Kingdom, the Kimberleys. The Kimberleys are a married couple who are actually making music together. And one of their projects, the Kimberleys, is uh, about singing and uh, interpreting an old folk legends. And uh, they send us a fantastic song describing uh, um, it, it's it's something about a character Tamlin who is uh, cursed by a queen of fairies queen of fairies queen of vulnerability yes mm -hmm. fits and uh, he apparently whenever a young girl meets Tamlin in a forest she gets pregnant and uh, so girls are cautioned not to go there and one of the girls goes there and she gets pregnant and then Tamlin asks her to save him because he's cursed and he will be sacrificed by this, uh, I think it's called the Queen of Fairies, right? And she has to hold him very close and he will be transforming into a monster, a lizard and other things. And she might not, might not lose, she must not lose faith that it's him. And if she will hold him until the end, she will release him and they can be together. And that character, of course, is heavily pregnant. So I was inspired to actually propose Marta to do the show about that. So now we will listen to Artist of the Week and we will listen to a beautiful rendition of Tamlin. Superman Music brings to you Artist of the Week. Thank you. 
a girdle green, a bit above her knee. And she's gone to cut a hole as fast as go can she. Why can he to cut a hole without command from me? I'll come and go, young Janet said, and take no leave of me. I'm not afraid. 
We are back, and uh, that was a really beautiful rendition of, of this legend. I forgot to quote uh, Isabel from the Kimberleys because she wrote why she chose this song, and she wrote, this song is very special to me. It's a dark, ancient story where a woman is depicted as strong, capable, and honest. She's betrayed in the end, but happy endings are not that important to me personally. The heroic nature of the journey is. And I have to make a little disclaimer. The legend itself has a happy ending, but the, um, the, 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 sing, the song, this song in particular, the sing by many artists over, over decades actually ends, uh, ends not so happily. I think the woman is turned into a tree in the end, uh, if I understand this uh, very old uh, dialect uh, correctly. Mm. Uh, so, uh, yes, the song may, may not have a happy ending, but Kimberly's thank you so very much for sending us this beautiful song, and I'm really happy that, again, we have a chance to present for listeners in Denmark and all over the world, including U.S. and Nigeria, where our <laughs> listeners are, uh, something that is um, of a folklore and uh, ancient importance. I don't even know what I'm saying, but I'm, I'm, I really love the song. I just want to say that the song comes with a beautiful video. Yes. So please make sure that you go uh, to our website, thefiveoptions.com or to the show notes. There will be the link and please see the, the song. Video. It's a beautiful video. Yes. And actually it really is catchy because I caught myself on humming this song when I'm putting to sleep uh, my three-month-old daughter. So it's it, I, I really hum it and I'm like, it has a bad ending, but ah, uh, doesn't matter. Fuck it. Mm -hmm. So sorry for my language. Uh, so it's it's really, really beautiful. Okay. Let's smoothly turn to challenge of the week. Challenging challenge of the week. Challenge. 
Yes, uh, it, it's quite difficult to go into serious challenge after that intro. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> However, yeah, it's, uh, it's uplifting, I have to yeah, say. Yeah, it's uplifting. So maybe that's actually a good yeah. thing. Yeah, and <laughs> maybe we should play thing. it after the challenge as well. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. today for the challenge of the week, we have our queen of vulnerab vulnerability, Judy. <laughs> you should see her face. She's like, Jesus, Martha. <laughs> In a, in a good no in a good way in yeah. a good way yes okay we have judy yeah. and judy please tell your full name okay i like i said i have four names so it's judy wanjiko uh wanderi johnson okay yes. yes we are not even trying to do that sorry judy is fine yes <laughs> so judy you also have a blog right yes i uh, do so mm. for all our listeners you can find an amazing, beautiful blog that is called The Memoirs of a Kenyan Mom. I would actually call, in, uh, call it a full-blown website. It's, uh, it's, it looks like a magazine, mm -hmm. guys. And it's so many good articles there, not only about, uh, I don't know, motherhood, but also about the Kenyan culture and about like uh, everyday things, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a fantastic read, yeah. Okay, so the challenge that we have decided to take today is about postpartum or and also postnatal mm -hmm. depression. Mm -hmm. So Judy has agreed to come here and tell us a little bit of her own story with yes. that challenge. Yeah. So thank you again for having me. Thank you for being here, really. Yeah. It was a short notice. No problem. I actually don't mind being uh, vulnerable. I think it's something that I've come to embrace because I realize like being vulnerable makes me real and makes me connect with people. And that's important for me as a writer and as a journalist. So that's fine. So about my story, I think um, it's, I'll go a bit uh, before the postpartum depression. I had prenatal depression, which occurs during pregnancy. And in the beginning, we didn't know why, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, every time I'm pregnant, I get a condition called hyperemesis gravidum, or in short, HG. HG is just basically a woman can't eat or drink, and you know, you have like full blown nausea. So I was throwing up like the whole day. I could not drink or eat, so I, I started to get very dehydrated and malnutritioned. And we went to see our doctor. And the doctor said, oh, you know, a lot of pregnant women go through this. You know, you just need to take uh, rest or have some ginger and it will go away. But then we had gone through it with my older son. And at that time I had to leave Denmark for Kenya because we didn't know what was happening. And the doctors had told us the same. So I went to Kenya because I felt it was a familiar place and I c there were things that I could eat and the weather was better because at that time it was winter and I couldn't have coped with the depression mm -hmm. plus the winter. So this second time hearing the doctor tell us the same thing, like for me, I was on the point of giving up. I was I was really down. I, th I think I was um, two months pregnant. And so it had, no, it hits me quite early. It usually starts about four weeks. That's when you, f it goes full blown. Mm -hmm. And so we went to the doctor and when she said that, I remember we were walking out and my husband went back in and he said, you know what? You don't see what I see when we're at home. You know, she, to come to the hospital, it took me a lot of strength. And so the doctor, when she sees you, she sees this person, but she didn't see who you were 
10 minutes before or you know yeah. a day before and so my husband said if you can't help us then take us somewhere to someone who can help us because he was like I'm afraid that one of these days I'll go to take our child to uh, kindergarten and I won't find my wife because I had uh, suicidal ideations it was really desperate like I just felt I should die mm-hmm. and so you know the doctor stopped and she was like okay I'll write your note and then she referred us to Risco which is the psychiatric clinic and when we went there they took me to what is called um suicide clinic like Selmore yeah yeah and I got a really good uh, psychiatric psychiatrist sorry I'm <laughs> mixing yeah. Danish words yeah. Yeah. so I got a good psychiatric and she was very compassionate you know she was like there is nobody who can survive on dehydration and malnutrition and still be sane you know first of all, she validated because it was very easy for me to think like I'm exaggerating you know mm-hmm. because what's you know there are many women who want to give birth and then here you are you you get pregnant and then what so she validated my illness although it's been there and there's a lot of research done about this condition mm-hmm. hg and the high mortality rate that comes also from suicide associated with with okay. hyperemesis and so um, she she called the main hospital skybu and told them like she has a patient with this condition mm-hmm. can they help and then it turns out that they actually have a clinic at the hospital for you know it's called clinic for gravid mm-hmm. which is basically a clinic for pregnant women most of who have the same condition that i had so from that time i was able to be put on nutritional therapy and i had to have a tube on my nose um, an intestinal tube feeding me for 3 months So that helped. I was able to survive and give birth to a healthy boy. But then what happened is that the the prenatal sort of went because I was also put on like a um, medication for mm-hmm. depression when I was pregnant. But when I gave birth I was fine, but when it was time for the child to go to daycare, then I started feeling pr- I started pressuring myself that I need to go back to work. but then i wasn't getting the kind of work that i want you know mm-hmm. i had had a gap in the maternity and then i was seeing there was so many of my mother friends who were going back to their jobs mm-hmm. and then here i was right in the middle no work and then my child who was like my comfort has gone to kindergarten and so um, before i knew it i just spiraled down into this hole of uh, depression not having energy to 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 do anything you know mm-hmm. and thankfully i was still seeing a therapist from when i was pregnant and so they had to you know they 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 gave they had to give me medication for also anxiety and it was a long journey for about one and a half years of therapy i think i was on therapy for about one and a half year you know and in the end we realized that my depression had three factors it was both hormonal but it was also situational in terms of the situation that I was finding myself wanting to have a job and not also having a clear idea of what kind of job that I was and it was also environmental in terms of winter i attend to get the seasonal you know depression so it was those three things and also like an identity crisis of who am i you mm-hmm. know after being a mom where how do you redefine yourself but yeah after one and one and a half years i think towards last year actually the 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 point where i knew that i was getting better uh, after all the therapy is when 
my therapist and I were able to crack the code, you know, and my husband, he came for all the therapy sessions in the one and a half mm -hmm. years. He never missed any session. So we were finally able to crack the code of what was the root to my depression. And it was because I was stressing so much about a job. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I had a tunnel vision, like I want a job. And then we had to start dissecting that. Like, who are you without your job? You know, if if you get a job today, will you be happy? And if you, if you can't answer that, yes or no, it means that I had more things to work on. Like a job was the only label I had, but it meant that I should find happiness and insatisfaction in all the other things that I have, you know, and sort of start to build myself slowly by slowly. And so she would tell me things like, if today you wake up and you go for a walk, that counts for something. Don't think about you need to do Mm -hmm. A, B, C, D, A. If you today you wake up and you make a cup of tea or you're able to take your children to, to kindergarten, that is enough. And so I started doing that bit by bit and mm -hmm. then also being grateful, like she, she said, gratitude is a big plus. And then slowly by slowly, because depression really does feel like a fog, you know, it feels like a dark, dark fog or dark mist. And slowly by slowly, it started to lift up, you know. And one of the other things that I had to do was to talk to my mom about it because I don't know about you, but there's always that person in your life who validates you and they can make or break, you know, depending mm -hmm. on how they respond, you know. And my mom and I have a good relationship, but I also know that she's very sensitive and wants to sort of lift and carry my problems and solve them. But I had to tell her, like, no, this, this is my problem and I just want your understanding Mm -hmm. you know and then just that and it took me quite a while to get there but when I went to Kenya last year I was able to tell my mom and it just the weight I felt you know because the, my therapist always used to tell me like you need to tell your in-laws or your friends but I never felt safe you know I never felt safe sharing with anybody mm -hmm. because it was such a you know depression comes also with shame it's like why you, you have a good husband you have healthy kids you live in mm -hmm. a good country, what are you complaining about? So you know? like you're not entitled to feel that way. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And the problem with depression is that it magnifies. You're, you're like trapped in your head and everything that you think, even when it could be true, it magnifies mm -hmm. a million times. And it's just a loop of negativity. But when I told my mom and then I came back to Denmark, it's like I this weight just fell you know, and I found myself coming out more and interacting more. And I knew that the day I'll be able to talk about my journey is the day that I no longer, it no longer owns me, you know, mm -hmm. because then it meant that I would stop being ashamed. And so I started to write about it. And, and you know, there's a lot of stigma and shame, like, oh, you know, you don't need to talk about this kind of, but nobody ever told me that. What I got was actually people reaching out and saying, Thank you, because I've been going through and trying to convince my husband that I have depression. But reading your journey now, I can show my husband your blog and then he can believe me. And so mm -hmm. that the sharing and talking about it and writing about it was my way of saying I'm well. Mm. You know, so, yeah. So to all the mothers who are finding themselves other with prenatal or postpartum mm. Mm. or even at the time when you are actually having your kids living uh, 
Yeah, the nest. The closed then, nest. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not really the nest, no. right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, they that, are that coming th- back from that kindergarten, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, please uh, do visit the website. Yeah. And uh, all the information will be available at the5options.com yeah. and in the show notes to that episode because, Judy, you have shared your journey mm. and uh, we do believe that this can help other mothers on yeah. their journey. Mm. But if you could just tell us what were the things that you believe are the most important to do when you find yourself in that fog as a mother, mm. to whom to reach out, how mm. to, you know, how to survive it, because it's really a matter of surviving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a matter of surviving. And I think for me, I was um, privileged enough that I had my husband and it helped that we've been friends way before, so I could reach out to him, you know. But I think the best thing that we can do is because depression isolates us. So if there's one person, sometimes you only need that one person to reach out and maybe they can check out on you and to also validate and say, you know what, what you're going through is invisible, but it's real pain, you know, because mm-hmm. the the stigma attached to depression is because it's invisible. So nobody sees it. I can, I, I can be a high functioning, uh, yeah, you know, exactly. person with depression. And every time you see me, I have this mm-hmm. mask on of, you know, I'm okay, I'm doing good, I have control. And then once you get into your house, the mask comes off and, you know. And so it's just important to at least reach out mm-hmm. to one person. And then to to also recognize what depression is. And for me, it came a point that I, I had a name for for that negativity and, you know, the hopelessness. I gave it a name. And so every time those emotions would come up, I would sort of like validate and say, okay, I hear you, I see you, you know, but uh, remind myself that that's not me. The the person attempting to come up or that negativity or sadness attempt to come up is not me. And so bit by bit, I was able to separate myself. And I won't say like I have also days when I, you know, I feel down, but now I can recognize it from afar, mm-hmm. you know. So it's also that self-awareness and see what gets you down. What are the triggers? And is it something that you can walk away from? If it's, for example, social media, is it serving any purpose? For me, I found Facebook was very toxic. So I, I deleted my account for like two years. Okay. Yeah, two years. And then what I realized was that deleting my Facebook, I actually started keeping touch, more active contact with people, like calling people that I was active with on Facebook because then Mm -hmm. I had all these friends, but then a lot of people are just passive. Also friends become passive because they just see and they think, oh, Marta is doing okay or Anna is doing okay. But behind the scenes, they don't. And then I realized maybe it's just one of those three or four friends that I had, that if I deleted Facebook, I could, and that really helped me a lot. So it's about figuring out what can you do to yourself, you know, be selfish and look out for yourself because with depression, unfortunately, it's very isolating. Yeah. And Judy, one thing that struck me in your story was that you actually went to the doctor and you actually went several times from the story during the first pregnancy and during the second. So what do you do when you are this depressed person feeling really bad and you reach out and you are rejected because that I think is like you have to put so much energy into actually reaching out to someone and what if you are not met 
-hmm. Like you, on the second pregnancy, you had your husband that like, you know, put his uh, foot down and went back to the doctor. But what would you advise to this person that is, you know, struggling for their mm -hmm. survival yeah. and they are, you know, facing a wall yeah. from the doctor or from yeah. whomever they yeah. reached out to? What can they do? Yeah, I, I think it's also dependent on where, because I know, for example, like if I was in Kenya, probably the story would be different because fast um, fasting is at psychologists or therapists. They're very expensive, so they're not within reach for everyone, you know. So it sort of becomes like a luxury to afford a therapist. So a lot of people go down the spiritual counseling Root. Mm -hmm. So whatever works, because I think some pe there's also this attach uh, stigma that's attached to therapists, you know, mm -hmm. like clinical therapists. Yeah. You know, it's like the cuckoo, you know, that one has lost it, you know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, help can come from many directions. So it can be if you th sit in there thinking, OK, but I can't afford a therapist. Well, maybe you have you have a good friend who is compassionate and empathetic and can listen to you, you know, without any judgment or maybe they if you're a religious person maybe there is a, a counselor in your church or in your mosque or whatever I think the the point is to just have that one person who can be unbiased and mm -hmm. if you have the option of get, going to see a therapist or, or a healer then by all means like the, the, the thing I always compare and this has been said before is that people have no problem taking a pill when they're having a headache, you know? Or if you have someone who has cancer, everybody will be, oh no, she has cancer, let's help. But that's the, the depression is the same. And like I said, it's invisible, Yeah. you know? It's, it's invisible, but the same care that you'd give yourself if you broke a foot, if you would not hesitate to go to the doctor, is the same thing you should do for yourself if you're depressed or having anxiety. It's the same thing because everything functions from the mind and if the mind is not okay, then nothing is okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. So I think it really helps because even if you have a cancer, you might go to the doctor and that doctor might not work for you. You yeah. might actually try another doctor. Yeah. You might actually try alternative yeah. ways mm -hmm. of healing yourself. Yeah. So I think that really helps. So yeah. if you find a wall, if mm. you are rejected by the first doctor, if you don't get what you need with the whatever kind of person or doctor you meet, just find a little bit of more strength and try again. Yeah, because also sometimes different. you can have a... a you know, the chemistry, like with every therapist, because you're being vulnerable. Sometimes there's no chemistry. You know, mm -hmm. you might go and find a therapist who just wants to talk and give you solutions. You know, mm -hmm. unfortunately, those kind of therapists, you know. So well, what I was fortunate enough on with my therapist was that she was, she was not Danish. Not, not that I'm saying that if she was Danish, it would have been a problem. No offense, but, <laughs> but she was Norwegian, you know, mm -hmm. and she had lived in Denmark, of course, I think for 20 years. Yeah. And because we spoke in Danish, she was very patient with me when I could not find the words to describe. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, and so she was very compassionate and understanding you know and very she she saw ahead in terms of the tools because what she also did was she realized that my husband was going there and sitting with me in all the sessions so of course there was what he was feeling in his heart but also him seeing me now describe what I was going through it was affecting him you know he, he would feel very helpless you know and so um, she offered us um, 
um, a psychotherapy education together with other couples. So what we found was that there were there are many people going through similar situations, whether it's with anxiety, there's a lady who, who had psych- post, postnatal psychosis. And mm-hmm. so we're put in a group of, I think we were 15, and then we have to talk about these things, you know, so that our spouses can also feel like they're not alone. Yeah. You know, because it's so easy. And for men, I figure that many men will just keep quiet because they feel like I have failed my wife. You know, like here Mm -hmm. she has, she's given birth to our child and I cannot light up her days. I cannot make her happy, you know. Mm -hmm. And so the therapy suggesting that it was such a big help, you know, and I could see also the other men, like men started even talking more and describing how, you know, they relate to depression from their side, you know, and not to invalidate the women, but to also say, well, this is what I have learned and this is what works. And then, you know, just share those ideas. And I thought, I I think that is something, it doesn't have to be in a psychiatric setting like that, but just if people could come together, you know, have these conversations, it could be if you come for dinner to someone's house and uh, you know that, their spouse has had depression and maybe you know someone else who've had, it could be a conversation. So the more these conversations become normalized, the more people start to talk about it, the more um, it becomes normal, the same way cancer has become, or the same way AIDS became, you know, became normal because at some point, like AIDS was such a stigma, it's still a stigma, but now people are coming out and having medication for it and living Mm -hmm. longer. So the same way that people, uh, someone with HIV can seek medication to lengthen their life is the same way if you have anxiety or depression you can say well this is my life i'm going to talk about it and i'm going to seek treatment you know mm-hmm. and to end the stigma f- because this is the irony that people stigmatize medicine yeah it's the only illness where people i know where people stigmatize medicine mm-hmm. it's crazy you know like people stigmatize and even when i was told would you like some medication i was like oh. I don't know. And the doctor was like, why not? I was like, well, they might do something to me. You know, they probably slow me from thinking or being creative. And she was like, but how creative are you now when you're depressed? Mm-hmm. You know, how creative are you when you're depressed? And then, you know, you sit there and think, okay. So in the end, I accepted medication in terms of thinking of it like, it's like a vitamin. It's something to help my mind to balance my emotions until the time that comes when you can feel, okay, now I'm at a stable place, then maybe I can move forward. And with medication is that it can start from maybe 200 milligrams or 500, and it can be reduced as time goes by until to a point you can get off the medication. So that's stigmatization that people, and it comes also from maybe because there were, you know, with every kind of medication, it goes through a whole process, you know. So maybe there were certain drugs that didn't work. The same way like lobotomy used to be used for, you know. Yeah, that's a dark page in uh, medical history, (laughs) I would say. Yeah, you see, but then we have also had like lithium was used for for bipolar or or other medications that were very strong. But the more research is done, uh, done into mental health, the better medications there are. So thinking that you won't take medication because it will make you crazy or won't make you creative. The fact that I took my medication shows in how more uh, I am writing more and doing more photography. So I can witness that that stability that medication 
gave me and gives me makes me more stable and i could not think of anything else you know it's either that or going back to that you know fog of depression and i will take medication any day i don't care i'll take medication and i've talked about this even in a video i think if medication works for you do it if meditation works for you do it if walking ducks works for you anything is sometimes it may probably go against the grain maybe you need to hug trees all day to feel okay you know whatever works for you and whatever makes you feel balanced then do it i think that this is actually an excellent advice whatever works for you mm-hmm. do it mm-hmm. uh with no stigma and um thank you very much Judy yeah. for this because this was uh, indeed yeah. you deserved your title of a queen of vulnerability <laughs> <laughs> and now we will jump to the bullshit of the week which uh, surprisingly uh, continues this topic mm-hmm. say what it's bullshit it's bullshit of the week bullshit So today in the bullshit of the week I have uh, decided just now because we gave Judy space to talk because I thought that this was the best thing to do in this show to hear from you and it was a lot of wisdom and knowledge and encouragement and I really hope that this message will go to many women and men who needs that mm-hmm. so uh, I wanted to touch upon a topic of uh, postpartum depression that fathers are going through and i thought i will talk about it first but what i decided to do now i want to read for you a abstract from an article that is called the weather which is quite funny because you describe depression as a fog mm-hmm. and she describes it as a weather mm-hmm. that comes and goes storms and sunny morning and suddenly storm again uh, it's an article by Aubrey Hirsch and i will link to it in our show notes I would like to read it for you and I hope I will do a good job and then I would like to know your brief opinion because we will be running out of time soon. The depression is a flu that will not stop. Most mornings Dee drags himself into the living room on all fours. He lies face down on the interlocking foam floor tiles, his upturned arms at his sides. The baby crawls over him, tugging his hair, drooling on his t-shirt, but he doesn't move. He complains of headaches, nausea. He has nightmares. He's cold all the time. No, he's hot all the time. He never sings anymore when he moves through the house. Sometimes when he walks, I swear I can hear it. The depression is a liquid sound. I can hear the cortisol slashing around in his veins. I can hear the adrenaline drip, drip, dripping down the twisted cord of his spine. To name it, I have since learned it's fully half the battle, so I will name it here. Dee suffered from postpartum depression. I will name it here because we didn't name it then, not in those tender months after our first baby was born. We knew there was a problem, a big hulking bear of a problem, but we didn't call it postpartum depression. We call it opal night and not enough resources. We call it fuzzy baby and reflux is brutal. We call it It's stress and bad sleeper and babies are hard even when they're easy. We said we were tired, we said we hadn't lined up enough help, we said we weren't good at co-parenting a newborn. These things were true, but there was something else too. 
In hindsight, we should have seen it right away. By the time my son was two weeks old, I dutifully filled out the postpartum depression screening form no less than six times. In the last week, how often had I felt happy? All the time? Most of the time? Not very often? Never? Had I been able to laugh and see the funny side of light? Have, uh, had things been getting on top of me? Had I been sleeping? Had I been crying? Had, have I ever looked for things forward with regularity? Not once was my husband asked these questions. Mm. So that was a beginning of this article where she basically describes the entire battle of the depression post she call it postnatal because, of course, men don't go through postpartum. Partum, they are not pregnant. She also talks about difficulty in diagnosing this because men are not screened mm. for that. And one of the prerequisites to screen is that you're pregnant. Yeah. So basically, her husband was going through postpartum depression and she describes the episodes of crying, aggression, helplessness. Actually, the beginning was horrible. You know, he's just lying down there and the baby crawls over him and he just doesn't look like he wants to live anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's a fantastic article wrote from the perspective of time. Mm -hmm. uh, but many thing, many people, I think, still think that men cannot go through this, that this is bullshit. Mm -hmm. So I would just like to ask you quickly, ladies, what do you think about this? I think men go through post postnatal depression, but like it's like the author says, there's no word for it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe it could be a multiple factors because um, generally, men society the way it is is like men are not supposed to show vulnerability or sensitivity, mm -hmm. and if they do, they have to sort of choose a time. You cannot do that when your wife is pregnant or she's nursing a small baby, like choose your time, mm -hmm. you know. And that's not how it works, you know. When someone breaks down, they break down. And I think for many men, it could be maybe feeling that inadequacy of, here I am feeling down, but I can't voice it. I cannot say it. And and I, 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 is, the, is the husband still alive? Yes, yes. They actually had, uh, she also describes that they had a second child, although the first child was really difficult, the fussy baby. Mm. And then they have the second boy and the boy was super easy and he fell into a depression again. Mm. And this time, after a week, she told him to make the screening test himself and see where does he lands on a scale mm. of the depression where 8-9 indicates postpartum depression, 10 is severe, he landed on 12. Mm. So they seek help for him mm. straight away. Yeah. And now she can, from a perspective of time, describe this story. So he was, but, but that's a serious question. Did he survive? Yeah. Well, because can many, you elaborate? Because like, um, there are many men committing suicide within mm -hmm. that period. It could be between the, uh, between, um, most cases are between birth to around two or three years. Mm -hmm. And a culmination of that, like lack of sleep, stress, maybe pro having problems at work, having problems communicating with the wife, all those accumulated accumulation, uh, they accumulate. And so the only way out for many men, especially those who've lost their lives to suicide, is that 
they feel like removing themselves from the equation will actually be for the best for everyone. And there's a lady right now on Facebook. She's called um, Danny, Danny Bates. Um, mm-hmm. sh- she recently lost her husband to suicide. And it was the same thing. She has, um, I think her oldest daughter is two or three. And then she has a, another girl who I think she just turned one. And you see, these are s- small girls and the husband was also dealing with his own personal issues and plus work issues but she never saw it he was hiding all of it and so when he left she thought well it was just him being stressed going to work or going to get away and he went into his car he wrote a note and said i i'm sorry you know if i you know if i bring you my problems and then you have to handle me and handle the kids it's unfair and so you know, he killed himself. And she started this Facebook group uh, page, which right now I think has like 70,000 followers. And she calls herself widowed by suicide, which which it is. But basically the point was for her to say, let's talk to men because men are having postnatal depression and a lot of them commit suicide as a way to escape and to feel like they are lessening the burden. But the more we talk and if all of us were to talk about it, you know, and everybody feels validated, I think then we'll be able to see the indications Mm -hmm. and help men speak more and encourage them to to be vulnerable. And I I am also grateful because all the sessions that we had here with the the therapist was really good at Say, ask always ask it my husband like how are you and not just of like oh I'm fine no like how are you you know to the point that the the yeah this is a long story but they actually thought it would help if they had a social worker coming to help take care of our son because my husband was not getting enough sleep you know mm-hmm. when I was sick and he was taking care of me and then taking care of our toddler and his job and it was easy for him to fall apart. But it was, and he's the kind of guy who says, I'm fine, everything is fine. But then the therapist, she started to see, you know, and I would hate to think like he would probably be suffering and not have the opportunity to say, I'm dying inside, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm dying inside. And I want to also say I'm dying inside and not feel like I'm stealing the spotlight from the person who is actually dying, you know. So I think just having these conversations is so important. Yeah, so I, I would just like to finish this uh, this segment with saying uh, postnatal depression mm-hmm. uh, happening to men, that's such a bullshit. So I guess it's time to jump for the wisdom. Yes. <laughs> to wisdom of the week and i think we have shared plenty of wisdom here Mm. so i i actually just will allow myself to to give you a short quote that will also um, show why is it important to get help regardless if you are a mom or a dad it's from the same article here is my postpartum confession i hated him I hated D so much 
I could barely look at him. Didn't he see me? Look what I was doing. I too was parenting a fuzzy newborn. I too was working a stressful job. I too was pushing aside exhaustion to care for our baby. Only I was doing it more. I was up all night. I was using what precious energy I had to convert calories into breast milk. The baby wouldn't drink from a bottle or a surgeon or a spoon or a fancy supplementary nursing system that they say would work. So I was doing it every single time, every single feeding. I was doing everything. I was doing it with fresh stitches, with aching breasts while actively bleeding. But I was doing it. So basically, we also have an account mm. of the fact that the, his depression, untreated depression, took a huge toll on her yeah. at the point where she started hating him yeah. because they didn't solve it mm. and there was no help. So for everyone out there, this will not only take a toll on you, this will take people mm. around you, with you. Mm. So I think that's why it's very important to seek help. Yeah. I think we will jump to something completely out of, out of this topic. <laughs> Let's go to the left field. From the left field. The funny thing is I have signaled this kind of hole slash hole that we will come from a legend and pregnancy through postpartum and then we will finish with urban legends. But then I'm thinking uh, it actually really is kind of weird to come from such a heavy topic mm. into something that is about legends but you know we started with a legend so let's finish with a legend and i was thinking about urban legends because we have those old legends from mm. hundreds of years and uh, then we have urban legends who are um, basically accusionary tales set up in modern times so we don't have maybe a demon or a tamlin a boy in a middle age scotland but we might have someone who is for instance telling us that there is a gang who is dragging people and then you wake up in a bathtub uh, with uh, ice because they took your kidney that was one of the urban legends that i've heard mm -hmm. at one point of time mm -hmm. and they have a function of um, telling a story but also being a cautionary tale mm -hmm. and teaching especially youngsters to avoid certain dangers mm -hmm. and i was thinking that it would be really interesting if uh, judy as she's from Kenya mm -hmm. could bring us a urban legend from her side of 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 the of the world. Yeah. Uh, because um, I also have uh, just in case one Polish urban legend, but I'm not sure if we'll have time or if we need to hear it because I always get creeps when I talk yeah. about this. Okay, uh, just briefly, uh, I come from a tribe called the Kikuyu, and we have many sayings, proverbs, and legends. And the one that I th came to my mind was um, one about a girl called Washo. Mm -hmm. And to say it in Kikuyu is Shiakorire uh, Washo Mugoda. So basically it just translates that the whatever fortune found this girl Washo in, in a garden. And so the story was that she was married. She was a teenager married to an older man, married off to an older man, a rich mm -hmm. man. And she was married off as a third wife. And so when she came to the man's wife, uh, home, the 
two uh, older wives they hated her because she was young even though she was 12 you know they hated her and they put her in the kitchen as a maid and this man never got to see her because he was always travel uh, out uh, hunting and gathering as as our tribe did you know in the early days and so one day there was a big feast the old man had a big feast and invited everybody and that day the evening that evening was show so it as a chance to escape and so she escaped and went into this forest. But as it grew darker and darker, she realized that she was alone and she could not find her way out of the forest. And so just when she was you know, about to, to give up, she was hungry mm-hmm. and she was thirsty and tired and collapsed. A crow, a raven, flew by and dropped a big chunk of meat from the fists, her husband's fist. Okay. At her feet. And basically this saying or this legend uh, has served purpose over centuries in my tribe, reminding people that when you're giving up, mm-hmm. there is always, you know, like sometimes we have this saying that um, whether it's God, he meets you at your point of need. And so that's what happened with Washo, that no matter how hard it is, like don't give up because at the point where you give up is where, you know, the mist, like in my depression, could be could be clearing up. Okay, I actually thought that at one point she will meet Tamlin <laughs> <laughs> in that forest. That's number one. Uh, but that is a, a legend with a more like a positive outlook. We have, I think, barely one minute. So I will just tell you about the legend that was circulating in Poland. That's way more modern. Uh, there was a car called Black Volga. That was a car that looks kind of scary. And there were legends that there is someone driving this car on the streets of Poland. Polish cities, kidnapping children. And depending on the city or on the agenda, the driver was either uh, a priest uh, or an agent of a communist country or satanist or a drug dealer or whatever. And uh, basically the outcome was that whenever people were seeing black Volga car, they were just running away. And I remember that at the end of 20th century, they changed it into Black W, uh, BMW. And uh, they were saying, uh, the the legend was that the Black uh, uh, BMW is driven by Satan himself. And then he stops and asks people for time. And if you respond to him, what is the time, you will die. (laughs) And he will take your soul. And that was the end of 20th century. And with this uh, wonderful and positive accent, I would like to say thank you, Judy, for being here, sharing your story and sharing way more positive legend Mm. than I just shared. Marta, thank you again for being here, because without you, this show would (laughs) would never happen. I'm just making thank yous now because I got extra 15 seconds and I feel like I have to capitalize on them. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Bye bye. Thank you. You are listening to You've Got 5 Options radio show, where we hopefully convinced you that 5 indeed is a magic number. To catch up with our previous programs, apply to be our guest, send us your life challenge, or just to see how do we really look like, visit our website, the5options.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you will come for more. That's all, folks!